Welcome to episode 99 of the Think Deeper podcast. Jack Wilkie here with Joe Wilkie, Will Harib. Once again, uh, I said 99, that means next week is 100. Uh, we have put the call out on Facebook. We are, Will. Will's idea for it, which we love, we're going to roll with, is 100 questions in 100 minutes. Uh, and so we're taking that submissions. Happen, man. <laughs> we're coming up with our own questions. We're, we're going to try to happen, Joe. rapid fire it as much as possible. Um, I will say... We've gotten a lot of lovely people giving us uh, suggestions, great comments, that, yeah. great comments and yeah. things that will honestly become future episodes because like, well, we do need to talk about that. Things that we cannot possibly answer in one minute. It's got to be pretty short answer kind of questions. We're talking yeah. short bite sized questions. Yeah. yeah if, yes. if you were if you were putting together a, a test, short answer, no, no paragraph, no essay questions, none of that stuff. And so um, just simple What's one thing you'd change about it? What, what's your favorite Bible character? Things like that. Our so, goal is to kind of have an, an even balance of like spiritual questions, fun questions, you know, food questions, travel sure, questions, all, all kind of stuff. Yeah. Sports, whatever. Anything. Yeah. The, uh, the, my favorite one so far is from our guy, Titus uh, from the dogma podcast. Shout out to if, Titus. The three of us uh, went into uh, the octagon who would emerge victorious in a, a brawl. Very easy the, answer. As Jack said. Very easy. We'll see. We'll see. Joe reminded <laughs> me of something the other day that actually the answer is easier than I, I thought. So we'll we'll get to that on the episode. So episode 100 next week. Look out for that. Uh, we're we're going to do it up big um, before we get to the episode. Uh, a while back, we teased some pre-orders. My mark guide is in. Uh, so pre-orders are being shipped out. If you ordered one, thank you very much. They are headed your way. Uh, if you have not yet, they are on Focus Press, they're on Amazon. I know Amazon's a little more to, convenient. Focus Press, we get a little more money. So, you know, we, we prefer that one, but Amazon is also available. I was going to say, just to remind everybody, in case you're like, I don't really remember what that was. If you're looking to do an in-depth study on one of the Gospels, please consider this smart guy. Jack put a lot of time, a lot of work into, yep. um, you know, really kind of, I don't know if it's technically an exegetical guy, Jack, but just a very detailed verse by verse about the book of Mark. And so if you've been wondering, Man, I'd like I'd like some material to get a little bit deeper in my Bible study. This would be where I would re highly recommend you pick up a copy of this smart guide. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's a thirteen chapter, so it was formatted for Bible classes, uh, and so uh, obviously sixteen chapters in Mark. Some of it had to be skimmed over, but uh, you know, tried to capture the major themes and just help you understand the book as a whole better. So that's available. We had another pre order, Transform Faith, which was a collection of of writing from myself and Dr. Brad Harib. That's right on the heels of it. That'll be out soon. Again, pre-orders will, will be shipping. Uh, and then the Sunday School Catch-Up, uh, my my third one. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of stuff coming. That, that'll be right after. I'm getting questions about, hey, where are these? It never goes as smoothly as you think. We put the pre-order up, but uh, they're, they're coming. They're, they're going to be here uh, very soon. And so we're going to go one, two, three, Mark, Transform Faith, and Sunday School. So just a, a, an update on that. Again, Mark Guide is available and in if you want to go order it. And let me say this. As you could tell, we're busy here at Folks Press, specifically Jack, lots of writing. Um, we're very, very busy, and we run off of donations mainly. Holidays are coming up. If this is something that you're interested in, we would very much appreciate that. We we put the call out for donations a couple months ago. Um, we're still here, and we're still taking donations. So if you're interested, if you love the work that we're doing, if you appreciate it, um, maybe consider just sending us a couple bucks just so we can't because again printing costs everything else all these things it, it costs and it costs a lot of money unfortunately these days printing costs have gone up quite a bit and so yeah i just want to throw that out there as well that we're still taking donations if you are interested but we we always appreciate the work we appreciate you listening so thanks to all those to our uh, deep thinkers all right yeah focuspress.org slash donate uh, good plug there joe all right so let's get uh back to part two of our, our sexuality episode um at the end of last week, I said something along the lines of, ah, oh, we can, we can get the, the rest of this content in, in the next five minutes. And no, I'm glad we, we saved a whole hour. Uh, there's, there's a lot to get to here. And so, uh, let's get into it. Uh, as always on the deep end, uh, we were taking comments there, uh, for our, our second episode of the week. Uh, and so be sure to check that out. If you're a focus plus subscriber, or if you're not become a focus plus subscriber. Um, but let's get to, to these here. Uh, who wants to to jump us in back into the discussion, I guess? Yeah, I'll start us out, Jack. So you actually, you were the one that added this to the original outline, this, this kind of topic of discussion, which is how your masculinity roles, how your uh, femininity roles, and how you fulfill those, those roles or lack thereof, how it can add or detract 
from the sex, add to or detract from the sexual relationship. And so we wanted to spend a little bit of time to start the episode here because what we're going to get into a little bit later, kind of more practically speaking, is okay, sexually speaking, what's what, what advice do we have for those who are, aren't married yet, those who are young married, married with kids, and then older married, kind of those four categories. So I think that's where we're going to spend the bulk of the episode. But to start, we wanted to address this topic of masculinity roles and femininity roles within the home specifically, because as we've said before, those were some of our most popular episodes when we took kind of did a deep dive on how does the world paint masculinity and how does the Bible paint masculinity and what are the roles that come along with that? Obviously tied in with that is the other side of the coin. How does the world paint the feminine roles and how does the Bible paint it and how are those being fulfilled? And kind of what we talked a lot about is that the average Christian home, not the average home, the average Christian home, these roles are not being fulfilled. They're not being fulfilled according to God's word. You've got men that are you know, not really fulfilling their God-given masculine roles. Maybe they're, maybe they go to work. Maybe they're not working really hard. Maybe they're not leading their home spiritually. And the wife kind of runs the show. Um, you know, maybe the wife also works. And so it's kind of, as far as the the homemaking goes, which is a feminine role, maybe it's kind of a team effort and not really, not really getting done maybe. And so guys, let's start here in this discussion of how these things can really add to, or again, detract from the sexual relationship. Because obviously, we, you know, in case you can't tell, our firm stance is if you're not fulfilling your role as a husband and as a man, and you're not fulfilling your role as a wife and a, um, you know, your femininity role outside of the sexual relationship, if you're not fulfilling those roles, again, in the home, in the workplace, with your family, that's going to significantly impact your sexual fulfillment, your sexual satisfaction. So, guys, what thoughts do you have on that? I guess maybe we'll start with the male side um, before switching over to the female side. Guys put so much on their ability to please a woman sexually that they make that a big part of their identity. And to your point, Will, we have to be men that are conquering, that are doing so many amazing things. And sex is a, you know, positive sex with your wife is kind of an outflowing of you doing the things you know you're supposed to do. It's kind of, it's a rewarding thing. It's a fulfilling thing. It's a, it's just something that you guys come together in a, I don't know, in a culmination of something, I guess is what I'm trying to say, instead of, well, this is just what I do to feel like I'm a man. If that's what helps you feel like you're a man, you're doing it wrong. Going out and conquering, going out and, and taking dominion. Adam point. is given the dominion mandate before he's ever given Eve, meaning work hard, conquer things, You know, make sure that you're hitting your goals, set goals, hit them, build your self-confidence, build your self-respect in other ways other than sex and men who are very much sex crazed and we didn't really get to this but i guess it's probably a good good time to get into it because we want to get into it on our deep end but i also you know i thought it's probably good to say the discussion here you have a lot of guys that are sex addicts without knowing it in my opinion and that is they want sex two times a day every day of their lives and their wives are like i just can't keep up and this is most guys first off that's a stereotype there's a lot of guys that aren't that way second off you're looking to to have sex fulfill everything to have sex be the the pinnacle of everything. When you want it twice a day, you have some serious emotional wounds and you have a seriously messed up relationship with sex. Or if you want it once a day, there is a healthy level of sexuality and it's when you and your wife come together and you guys decide what works best for you. But the man who wants it every single day, in my opinion, has emotional wounds and things that, that he's looking to sex to fulfill him in ways that other things should be fulfilling him in. And so the reason why I know this, we were talking off air about it. I work with sex addicts for a living. I see a guy who is masturbating multiple times a day. I just have such a high sex drive. What am I supposed to do? And when we work through trauma and we work through the attachment wounds, we work through all the emotional issues. All of a sudden, he doesn't need it five times a day. All of a sudden, he's able to get it into an appropriate view, appropriate understanding of like sex is a beautiful thing. I don't need it all the time. Well, what happened? Did his libido drop? You know, what, what happened there? Yes, libido is tied to emotion. So a lot of people don't see that. They don't realize that. And, and, this hasn't scientifically been proven, I don't think, which is something I'm hoping to do in the future, is to scientifically prove the connection between emotion and libido. So for the guys that want it all the time, stop looking to sex as the number one thing in your life. Stop making sex the pinnacle of everything. Sex is intended to be an outflowing. It's intended to be the culmination of something. Get busy doing other things. Find your self-respect. Find your self-worth, your self-esteem in things well, other than sex. Well, and that's what that's you know, what we're talking about when we say it can detract from the sexual relationship is because if you're not doing those things, if you're not conquering, you're not hitting your goals, you're not working hard, maybe just kind of lazily showing up to work and kind of punching the clock. 
what does that lead to? It leads to kind of, you don't respect yourself. It, it kind of leads to, you know, a lack of confidence. It maybe leads to shame. All these things, duh, that's going to impact, you know, your, your sexual ability with your, with your spouse. And Joe, I've always loved that point that, that, you know, is kind of unique to you as far as the connection between emotion um, and, and libido and sex drive or whatever. But it, it's to me, it's so obvious that these things, if, if we have all of our, our, again, masculine, feminine roles majorly messed up in one area, and then we wonder, well, why isn't our sex life fulfilling? Well, gee, let me take a guess here. And so I guess kind of our whole point to start this episode, Jack, I'll hand it off to you here. You've got to start there. You've got to start by examining your, again, role as a husband, your role as a man. Are you fulfilling that role? Because if you're not, that's where it's going to lead to problems. Well, yeah. So to briefly kind of summarize what you guys are saying is it, it is an accomplishment, you know, for a man, even with his wife, it's can, mentally it's an accomplishment when you achieve sex, when you have sex. And so if that's the only accomplishment a man has going in his life, of course, he's going to want to just go back to that one over and over, like go get other accomplishments. And so when we say conquer, people get real weird about that. For the accountant, that means being the best accountant in your firm. Like, I mean, like, it's it's doing your job well. It's running your household well. It's making sure your wife is provided for, cared for, but also equipped to do her stuff well and, and take care of her business and and that you're involved with the kids and things like that, you know, and and if you're hitting accomplishments there and getting the satisfaction of those things, you just don't need one track accomplishments. But the other thing is when we talk about masculinity, femininity, we do live in this paradigm of nice guys and girl bosses. And so the nice guy and the girl boss dynamic is she gives it to him. If he does all the right things, if he's if he's nice enough, he if he's or, you know, as we use the term, not even a nice guy, a good boy, if he's a good boy, then he gets sex that destroys her, that destroys him. You know, it's something that she dispenses. It's kind of, you know, mom and dad giving out an allowance to their kids or, you know, the kids, hey, can I have candy? OK, well, you were good today, so you can have a, a piece of candy or whatever. That dynamic is awful. It should be he is the head of the household and, and it's very much she has or he has her respect and. And it's no question of who's who, but this good boy, nice guy, girl boss thing where you're asking, almost asking permission, because this is the advice you get from people. And I know we spoke about this last year on the episode. We need to hit it again. You know what? Nothing sexier to a woman than a man doing dishes. That's just it's a lie. It is not true. It's not true. And it's feeding into this. If you do nice, she'll pat you on the head and OK, you get sex because you did my my dishes for me or you you helped out around the house like. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you should help out around the house, but it's not as a matter of I do this, you do that. That's the covert contracts and all these things we talk about that screw up marriages come into sex. And so don't be the, the good boy. That That's not exactly. how this works. I am no biologist by any means. But and I'm obviously not a woman, but there there seems to be an innate biological nature about women that they desire a strong man. They desire, you know, a man again that is conquering a man that is strong, whether or not no matter how much feminine, you know, um, the feminist movement tells you otherwise, that's what they desire. Why is the bad boy so appealing for so many you know women and why is the. You know, the it's stereotypical, but the the muscular guy is something that I mean, because they 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 desire strong, strong men. And when you have the dynamic of, again, she gives it and he just kind of has to, you know, not beg for it, but kind of do the right thing. Yeah, kind of grovel. Where's the desire going to be? It's not going to be there because, you know, obviously, again, that lack of self-respect, that lack of confidence can come from the wife as well. Why are you going to respect that? Why would you why would you desire that? Because there's no showing there's no sign of strength there. That's what we have to get back to. Again, the feminist movement has done a very good job of, as Jack said, aligning everybody under the girl boss and, and good boy mentality. The wife is not going to desire the husband under those circumstances. And again, I'm not trying to speak for women here, but biologically speaking, I think that's 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 why there's so much so many sexual struggles with this when that is the 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 dynamic that is set up in the home. The strong yeah. man provides safety and security. That's really what they're they're going for. Protection safety, as well, security, right? Protection. They want to know that my guy's going to step up for me. The bad boy, nobody messes with the bad boy because he'll he'll beat you to death. Like they go after that because there is inherent protection underneath that. Even if he hits her, even if it's you know that that it gets into some horrible dynamics where women get into very abusive situations. We're not talking about that at all. The the bad boy, that's not good. Don't go after that. But there's a reason why they're drawn to it, and I think it's because they see that they. 
there's there's this level of safety and security underneath a man who's going to stand up for them. We have to stand up for them in more than just the bedroom. But I will say it, it flows into the bedroom when you have a husband who wants to take advantage of his wife and do all these crazy sexual things. That's not safe. That's not secure for her. For the woman, though, we also have to see that the man is is wants to be adventurous. He wants to, to conquer right in a way. He wants to feel this is an accomplishment. And so this is where we can get into the fun of sex, where you're actually enjoying it and you're you're spurring one another on to be creative and to try new positions, things like that. But it's coming from a place of creating safety for her and creating this this adventure for him in those ways. And this is stereotypical. Sometimes it can go either way. But I do think that that's, you know, as, as we're talking a masculine role, men, the biggest thing we can say before we move to, and we're already getting into the, some, of the, some of the feminine side, biggest thing we can say is don't make sex everything. You, you will survive if you don't have sex. Don't make sex everything. We're going to get into this a little bit later too. But understand what sex represents to you. And if sex represents more than anything, more than, this is between a husband and a wife to really enjoy one another and the culmination of me working hard, her working hard, we're coming together and we're we're enjoying this intimacy together. If it's other things to you and sex just represents you getting getting your fulfillment and that's all it needs, you're never going to, it's very transactional, which is what Jack talked about. It's very transactional. And anytime you have that in a sex life, it will be horrible. Just telling you, it will be horrible. So the wives who withhold sex from their husbands use it as a bargaining chip, use it as, a, as Jack said, if you're a good boy, you'll get it. It's transactional. You've taken sex and you have made it something that it was never intended to be. And the guy doesn't get the conquering aspect. He doesn't feel good about himself. He feels like, well, he gets the fulfillment, but no wonder why he wants it tomorrow. It wasn't fulfilling. Fulfilling sex is supposed to go a long time. This is how you can masturbate three times a day. It's not fulfilling. It never actually created or it never filled the intended need that you had, which is what we always talk about with people that struggle with masturbation is understand the underlying need. And the underlying need is not to... to masturbate. The underlying need is for something more. Same thing in marriage. What's the underlying need? To be close to one another, to connect with one another, to love one another, to to be intimate together. And when that's not happening and it's transactional, this is why you want it every day is because it didn't actually fulfill. And you're just coming back to get the, the physical need met because the emotional and everything else is not being met. So fellas, anything we add on the man side? I think we've already gotten into the feminine of you know that feeling of protection, the, the desire for a strong man. But I think the main Jack thing to take out of this is it's not that you don't have to work on this as such communicating about sex or whatever, but it's like 95% of this battle happens in every other aspect of, of your relationship. Like if, if the other stuff is in place, if the man's being the man, the woman's being the woman, he's the head of the household and providing and protecting and, and equipping, you know, so that she can do her job as she needs to in the home and, and everyone knows who they are this is just so much easier like this because all of the tools th that those are the hard conversations to have. Those are the difficult things to get in place. And once you've done that, you've already got all the tools to communicate well in the bedroom to, to translate this into that sex life. And so when people, some of the comments we got that we answered on, on last week's deep end were people, you know, struggles in, in their, their sex life. And it's like, look, we can address the sexual part of it, but that's not really the issue. This goes so much further back. This starts, you know, on a, a Tuesday afternoon when you're texting about who's going to do what and pick up the kids and not like how you're handling that stuff. If, if we can't really help address the bedroom stuff, if the other stuff's not in place, because that, that just spills over. If, if she doesn't feel protected, if she doesn't feel cared about, if she doesn't feel nurtured, if he doesn't feel respected, if he doesn't feel well, listened to, you know, all, all of the things that a man and a woman need out of the relationship, if that's not happening, this is just a result almost. And that goes back to, you know, to step on Joe's turf here. You know, I think he brought it up on the last episode. If you're not connected in every other area, physically, or I'm sorry, spiritually, emotionally, uh, intellectually, it's no wonder you're not connected. You know, we, we want to separate those out so often that they're all inherently connected. And so I don't have much to add there. I think we, we pretty well spelled it out. Joe, Joe, do you have anything else to add there? I do. And then I'm going to have you get into the advice part. Sure. You can intro that. Um, quick word about sexual abuse, sexual trauma, because we got this comment after we didn't get into it in the deep end, but I think that's a very worthwhile discussion to have. There's a lot of women that have been through, and men, that have been through sexual trauma, molestation, rape, um, things like that. Even witnessing certain things that they didn't want to witness. Porn use at a very young age or, or witnessing something from parents or parents' infidelity. Um, this gives us a warped view of sexuality. 
And I would strongly encourage you to seek therapy if that's the case. If you struggle with your sex life and you realize, you know, every time we go to have sex, it's it's a triggering thing for me. That tells me something else is going on for sure. And I would get yourself some therapy because, man, life can be good. Sex does, sex can be an amazing thing. But if you are experiencing past sexual trauma that you can't get past, sex will never be fulfilling. It will never be good because you'll only be seeing it through the lens of trauma. Work through that to the best of your ability. Um, you know, your spouse deserves it. You deserve that, right? To be able to work through that and to, to find a healthy level of sexuality in your life. So I just wanted to say that. that I could get into all the sexual trauma. There's bazillion different things that, uh, you know, come into play there, but yeah, I would just say therapy is the, the fastest way to help yourself in that, that respect, because trying to work through it or trying to forget about it or trying to develop it on your own when you really are struggling with something that happened, trauma warps the brain. There is body keeps the score, vessel vein or cold. Um, there's a lot more stuff we're doing on trauma to realize this doesn't just affect the brain. This doesn't just affect the emotions. It affects the body. And you will shut down, bodily speaking, in certain areas where you can't perform the same sexually based on things that have happened to you. These are all scientific things you can look up. So brief word on that, but strongly consider getting yourself some therapy if that is the case and if you've experienced that before. All right. So let's get into our advice here. We've got one, two, three, four different areas here that we want to practical, very practical advice, kind of practical steps, solutions and things. Um, and so we're going to start with those who are not married yet advice for pre-marriage. Um, got a word on here about why fornication is wrong. And I think this is something we talked about on the godly young men podcast before Joe, you and I did about, you know, young people in the church are of course have drilled into their heads. Don't fornicate, don't fornicate, don't fornicate, don't have sex outside of marriage, don't have sex outside of marriage. And so they, that kind of turns into, you know, they equate sex with with bad, uh, with evil. And it's not. It's the fornication that's wrong. But I think what we brought up in the episode was ask a, a class full of high schoolers, why is, why is fornication wrong? Why is sex outside of marriage wrong? Well, because God says it is. Okay, granted. But why? Why, does, why is that the way that it was set up? Why does God um, basically prescribe things that way? It'd be interesting to find out what kind of answers you would get if you'd get any answers at all, because we don't really know uh, in a lot of instances, or at least we don't. When somebody asks us that on the spot, it's like, well, I don't really know. God says it's wrong. We got into this a little bit on our deep end episode. Think about if fornication takes place before marriage and you're married to your spouse now and either, you know, you've got you had you fornicated previously with somebody else or she did. God doesn't want all that sexual baggage entering the marriage relationship because think about the mental toll that it takes on, you know, and I'm sure we've got listeners where maybe that has been a mental burden you've had to bear before of either you as the person that had somebody else before you've got that person in your mind. You've got, because think about, yeah, you've got comparisons. And even if this is why we're fairly anti-dating, even if you didn't quote unquote, cross the line with that person before you, you know, married your current spouse, if you've got songs, if you've got movies, if you've got inside jokes, if you've got favorite restaurants or whatever, that you're carrying that baggage into your new marriage and you're in with your new spouse as well. How often is your mind going back to that person? Obviously, then you you transition that into if you did cross the line and fornicate, that stuff is in your mind, and that's something you're gonna have to deal with for the rest of your life and for the rest of your marriage. And so the reason why. Again, as we're talking advice for pre-marriage here, the reason why God says, and we are begging, you know, pleading with you, do not, do not, do not fornicate, and so that you don't have to deal with all that sexual baggage inside your marriage, so that your future spouse doesn't have to wonder, is he or is she thinking about X, Y, Z person? It's just the the way God intended it was one man, one woman, obviously for life, but without any previous sexual partners, and this is why. What other thoughts do you guys have on this? I think at some point we discussed the I kiss dating goodbye thing where he had that parable in his book about, you know, at, at your wedding, all of the past partners coming in and, you know, standing behind your your spouse there and, and how traumatic that Basically, would be. How long would your line be? Yeah. Right. And that you're bringing all of that into your marriage. And man, people that, that book gets a lot of hate. And yeah, I mean, we could get into that. That's a whole other discussion. That's exactly right. I mean, it, it's true. And then there was this other illustration that maybe some people have seen at purity talks where they pass a flower around and have everybody touch it a rose or whatever and by the end it's just wilted and tattered and falling apart and all that and you know this is this is what happens when you give your sexuality away and there was a famous sermon by this guy matt chandler you know big evangelical guy in dallas 
where uh, he said, and I watched this and they said, well, who would want that rose? And he said, Jesus wants the rose. And, you know, it's that, that, that woman that's been out there and slept with 50 people like, yeah, Jesus would forgive her. She still brings all of that with her like that. That doesn't go away when she gets married. Right. Like that, those issues come into her marriage and we've kind of made it where it's like, oh, it doesn't matter because you can be forgiven. You can but you're going to face real world consequences. I mean, if, if she picked up an STD and all that, or if a guy did, he's going to bring that in there. Like, but even just the memories and all of these other things, like grace doesn't just destroy that. It, it doesn't make that go away. And so you have to be cognizant of this is going to catch up to me. This is going to and and every faithful Christian, you know, that whether before they were Christians or even as, as Christian young people, they sinned and, and got in the wrong lane there for a while sexually and is now happily married or whatever, there's not a single one of them is like, yeah, well, those were good old days. And then, you know, I don't I don't regret that one bit. No, it's a problem. They do. They'll tell you it's a problem. They'll tell you, I wish I had never done it. There's it's just not worth it. And fornication will never be. It's it's inherently selfish and it'll never feel as good as it does in marriage because you're this person might leave me tomorrow. There's How no commitment there. Exactly. How intimate are you going to be with somebody who's not committed to you, who could leave you, who could dump you? So you give them one of the most important things in your life, which is your virginity or, or whatever it may be. It is your sexuality. You're opening yourself up to be naked with them, but you can't fully be naked with them because you realize in the eyes of God, you're not. Uh, you can't be naked in the eyes of God. You're naked and ashamed. You're living Genesis 3. Fornication is Genesis 3. Marriage is Genesis 2, is what I would say. Live in Genesis 2, naked and unashamed. That only happens one time in life, and that's when you are in a committed relationship. So don't do that. Don't that's do that. A good line. Um, that that's, a, that's going on the quote images. That's a good one. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, advice to pre-marriage. Second, we would say is in preparing, sex is not everything. We've are, I've already touched on this, and, and you guys could talk about this as well, but sex is not everything. Um, it is important. It's great. It feels great. I'm, we're not going to tell you that it doesn't feel great. We're not going to act like all the old people do that it's like it doesn't exist. It absolutely exists. It absolutely is amazing. It is not everything you will not be having. There's so many, so many expectations of like, you're going to be having sex all the time and, and the guy's going to want it. And then I got into marriage and I started working like 70 hour weeks and I barely wanted it at all. And you start realizing, man, I don't feel like a man. I don't, I don't, I just don't think that I can even please my wife and your self-esteem goes right off the cliff because you weren't meeting these expectations that everybody else had for you before marriage, just realize sex is not everything. And there is a expectations ruin this i would it's, say it's not just what everybody else gonna look like exactly it's not just what everybody else says but it's also what the way society paints it the way right. every show ever paints it the movies the music like that man everybody does it all the time and you know and you're I gonna think be a porn not... star in the bedroom like no right i think a lot of young people have a very warped view um on that based on again pop culture and social media i'm gonna go ahead and skip to um one that i put on there and jack i'll let you come back to the the third one we got on our list because i think the one I put on here ties into what you're saying, Joe. I would say advice for pre-marriage. I guess I'm mainly talking to the guys here. Don't get your sex advice from your bachelor buddies. And I've, obviously this applies to, to females as well. Don't get your sex advice from your unmarried female friends. I think this is this is the re the classic Rehoboam situation where you know you can you can sure you can go talk to your buddies about something that they know absolutely nothing about and you can get your feel-good advice from them. You need to you need to get your advice, you know, because obviously people, young people are going to have questions, especially if, if if you're engaged and you know that that's about to be a part of your life here soon that it previously has not been. Of course, you're going to be curious and have questions about X, Y, Z. The advice that I would have that we would have, don't go to your unmarried bachelor buddies for that advice. Go to yeah, as awkward as it might be. Hopefully you have the relationship here. Go to your parents. Um, go to some older, wiser, um, you know, married people that obviously that you respect and that you would look at and see that they have a good marriage. Start there. Um, I think a lot of young people, again, can get into the bad habit of, you know, going to unmarried, you know, young people for their advice when that's not who you should be going to to for your sex advice, you might say. Jack? No, I think that's that's very useful. So we, we got this question before we go on to the next one. How much should you talk with your fiance about it beforehand? Uh, if you're you're getting married, you know, you're engaged, you're on your way to the altar. Um, it's obviously going to go back to the third one on there, Jack. The third one. Oh, the yeah. Yeah, uh, that's uh, and that's we something sort of already touched on it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's important to revisit it that this, you know, pre-marriage, this is not a uh, male thing. It's not just the guy. This is not just, OK, well, you know, she'll she'll give this to him. And it's interesting that you see young couples 
that are very affectionate and uh, you know there's very clearly that desire there and somehow over the years when they get married it morphs into oh this is just for the men like it's very clearly something that bonds people together there's a physical desire there um and uh, things we've already discussed that there's a lot of emotion there's a lot of other stuff that goes into why they both desire it and later on maybe why only one of them does but in preparation you know both need to realize and and young Christian ladies need to be taught and in whatever purity classes, youth rally days, whatever, you know, ladies days, whatever they have that, Hey, be taught. This is a good thing. This is something that you're going to enjoy. This is going to be part of a fulfilling thing for you. Not well, yeah, it's something you got to do for him because that is something, you know, uh, that I, I've heard people talk about is what uh, sometimes young ladies are taught. Just like, oh, I'll get used to having to do that. That can't be the, the advice either. I'll say this before. So let me, on. Yeah, no, go for it. Go for it. I was going to get into the next question. So you go ahead. Um, I was going to say you spark something in me. I'm going to show two books um, just for anybody who's interested before marriage. A Celebration of Sex by Douglas, Dr. Douglas uh, Rosnow, Rosnow, whatever it is, um, is a very, very good book. It does have illustrations of, you know, uh, drawings of different sex positions, things like that. But I do think that that can very much be helpful. And then another one, and I don't think I've actually read all the way through this, um, Sexy Christians by Dr. Ted Roberts and his wife, Diane Roberts. He is very big into um, porn addiction, helping men through their porn addiction. And, and like, you know, really, he, he's a big name in that world of therapy. Uh, so both of those, Sexy Christians and A Celebration of Sex, I think I would I would consider reading those before marriage. Um, I can't endorse everything. And again, I haven't even read all the way through Sexy Christians, so I can't endorse everything in there. But those are two uh, books that I would recommend for people that are interested in it. But the whole point is, and to your question, Will, how much should we talk? How much should you talk to your fiance about this? That's a very difficult subject because I'm sorry to just cut right in, uh, right on, in on your question, but this is a great one that you put down. How much should we talk about it? Because you don't want to arouse things ahead of time. You don't want to have this, this, you know, discussions that get your mind going in places that it doesn't need to go at the same time. Yes, you need to be having this discussion of, of, you know, expectations going into it of what you think that's going to be and, and trying to either remove some unnecessary expectations or figure out what that is. And so I have some thoughts, fellas. I'm going to let you kind of go off on this uh, if you'd like, because well, I have some thoughts that I bring into premarital counseling, but I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts first. The, yeah, the reason I got to think about this question, how much should you talk with your fiance about sex beforehand is because we've pretty clearly come out on the table, shown our cards that we are anti-dating, we are pro um, call it courtship, intentional to call it whatever, just, you know, kind of a different form, which is chaperones and you're never alone together. This is a tough topic to talk about with your, your little brother in the backseat of the car, you know? And so I, I was thinking about how we, we've spent the last now two episodes really hammering home the commitment or not commitment communication point about, Hey, when you're married, y'all need to be talking about this and talking about it a lot. And so if your position is, because I'm sure there are people who are like, no, that, you know, don't talk about it with your fiance beforehand, because like you said, Joe, it's going to open up doors. You're going to be aroused. You're going to be thinking about lusting and things that you shouldn't be thinking about. I get that. However, do we really expect it to go from zero communication about sex at all before marriage with the person that you're planning on marrying to, okay, 100% open the doors of, of communication on it based on, you know, one day. I think that's very, very difficult to do personally. Again, I, I know that there's going to be a lot of people that think you should keep that door completely shut all the way as far as talking about it, communicating about, hey, you know, expectations, things like that until marriage. I get that. I think the door needs to be open at least some some portion. What percentage that is, I don't know. But again, if we're going to expect people to communicate about it within marriage, there needs to be some. It's the same thing why we expect young people or, you know, two people who are engaged to talk about how many kids you want. You don't need to fly into that blind. You need to be able to, you know, you know, talk about what are your expectations about kids and how many kids and how you're going to discipline all these things. If sex is going to be as big of a part of your relationship and of your marriage as obviously it should be, you've got to have some level of conversations there. Joe, I am curious about what you've got specifically, because obviously I don't think that door needs to be 100% open where you're, you know, graphically talking about every single thing imaginable. But Jack, any thoughts before Joe kind of gets into what he does for premarital counseling. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the counseling is a big part of it. Uh, and, and I think good counselors would walk you through what needs to be discussed. You know, a, a porn issue that needs to be discussed. You know, all the cards are on the table and 
you know, just hindrances that might come up. Um, and then kind this, of uh, just a, an explanation of here's how you communicate to work something out together. I'm curious because, and I'm not trying to throw my premarital counselor under the bus here. This didn't come up. We didn't talk about this in our premarital counseling. And I would be willing to wager a lot of church of Christ premarital counseling probably doesn't talk about this. So yeah, I'm curious, Joe, Check. what you've got and, and what you what you've seen as far as experience wise from what other Christian counselors do. Jack, can you give me the ability to share? This will go up for the uh, for those on our Patreon. You can screenshot this if you like. Um, if if you're interested in the questions, I will briefly read off a few of these because I have a full slide that goes with it. Um, but uh, yeah, Jack gives me the ability to to share. But in the meantime, just let me know what's up. In the meantime, why did God create sex? Um, that's that's the first one and you'd be surprised here you go I'll, I'll share this you'd be surprised how many people get this wrong why did god create sex uh, we talked about this last time what is it for right well it's for procreation okay and then i say well what about song of solomon or if it's just for fun okay what about procreation so we you know i try to get into this this was me teaching a class on two guys on how to have this to, to preachers and such and national school of preaching um so some of these questions are for them to ask but have you discussed your sexual past Past relationships, porn, sexual acting out, etc. The worst thing you can do is get into marriage and go, I'm sorry, you had how many? Or or you didn't tell me about that person. Or right. wow, now he's got I, I walked in two years into marriage, he's got a porn addiction he didn't tell me about. You need to discuss the sexual past. What books have you read on the matter of sex and marriage? Any major insights that stood out? You'll get his needs, her needs. I do not rec- uh, recommend that book, in my opinion, because that very much is the guy's going to want it all the time. The woman needs to oblige. That's what I get out of that. Uh, so they may say that and I'd go, that's wrong. So we need to we need to work through that. So we want to know what what ideas have you gotten from marriage or from from sex books? Do you think your knowledge of sexual and physical relations is excellent, good, fair or poor? Do you think sex is important in marriage? If so, why? Or If not, why not? What is your opinion of premarital sex? If it's wrong, why? Do you think your mate is sexually adjusted and ready for marriage? If so, why? And what are your thoughts on pornography? Um, obviously, you want to majorly stress the importance of honesty and why lying about this starts the marriage on the wrong foot. So that's the sex slide that I go over with them. So uh, to be clear, Joe, to clarify here, you think all those questions are well within bounds to discuss with two oh, yeah. people before they're married? Oh, yeah. Because a lot of yeah. these are about your ideas of sex. It's not like, well, what sex position do you want to try first? No, I don't want you thinking about the act. I want you thinking about the the ideas around sex. Is it important, right? What is your opinion on these things? Um, what ideas, what insights have stood out to you? Have you discussed sexual past? I mean, those are things that I absolutely think are important because if you have a, an appropriate sexual theology, you're going to be fine in sex, you know, in your sex life. But if you come in to the relationship, not having disclosed certain things, you're lying about your porn addiction. Uh, you know, nothing about sex. You've never read a book on it or you have, that's going to be a problem. So those are some things that I would certainly look to discuss. Uh, thank you, Jack. Let me share. Fellas, are we good to get into advice for young married? Considering we have 19 minutes. Yes, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> let's go ahead and get it in. Um, and okay. So advice for young married, first off, take it slow. Take it slow. You're not going to know everything at once. It's just not going to happen. Um, when you get into it, like I said, everybody thinks they're going to be like some porn star or whatever, where they're going to be amazing at, at sex or whatever that looks like. Take it slow. You you need to learn how to explore the other person's body, to explore their erogenous zones, to explore the things that are going to help them feel more open, them feel more intimate. And especially if you saved yourself for marriage, this is going to be, we act like, and this is where the ice kiss dating goodbye comes in of, okay, well, I saved myself for marriage, therefore my sex life is going to be amazing. Not necessarily, because you did save yourself for marriage, but you may know nothing about it, in which case, just take it slow and realize it's going to take a little while before you learn, you know, the the ways around the other person and, and to understand their erogenous zones and to understand orgasms and things like that. It takes a long time to understand these things. So that would be the first piece of advice I'd give to young married people is Take it slow and just realize, like, set the expectations appropriately. The goal is to now grow is together, to just get to like know. to learn exactly. together. To learn together, to grow together. It's also, it, it's going to be really easy at first because that desire, because of honeymoon phase, because of uh, all of that stuff. Pay attention to when it starts to become more difficult and and the other factors that are involved. The first time you have a, an argument, the first time you're just kind of cold towards each other or whatever else. And, and how, because we've said this a few times of like everything else, in the marriage is what sets up whether the sexual part of the marriage is, is going well. And so realizing that and seeing how it's affected early on, 
I think is, is a really big deal. I, I think that's one of those things that like, I, I wasn't given that lesson. And so you're trying to fix this problem. And it's like, well, that's not really the problem. Fix this other problem. And this, this problem will figure itself out because again, it's not going to be difficult for a while. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like one day it's going to be like, uh, now what now, you know, we, we've, we've kind of got a, a bit of an iciness towards each other. We're just not clicking right now. We're, we're at odds about something else. And then you just kind of like the, again, the drive, the, the, whatever the connection on that level might suffer a little bit. And so pay attention to that. And that will keep you working on the other stuff and, and not just letting things slip. Because the other thing is the honeymoon phase sets false expectations. It's not always going to be like that. But I think another thing that can happen is out of that, you, you come out of that and go, okay, well, it was never always going to be like that. So then it gets bad. And I think a lot of couples operate on, well, this is just how it's, it's got to be. Like there's a, a normalcy. Yeah. There, yep. Yeah. There's a normalcy yep. bias of like, well, I, I guess, I guess this is just how it is. I, you know, people always say that after the honeymoon durable. phase would end like, uh, yeah, you're not going to be on honeymoon phase the whole time, but that it's, it gets better. Actually, if you keep working at it, it's actually better than the honeymoon period. But I, I hate that. I hate that phrase. And I'm going to go and get us into the next thing. Don't buy the stereotypes. We talked about that a ton. And it's not just a male thing, all that. But as far as this stereotype about the, I don't like that phrase, the the honeymoon phrase, because it does give the kind of false idea that you're going to start your marriage at the top of the hill and it's all going to go downhill from there. And so, man, make sure and really, really enjoy the first three months or six months or however long, because it's only going to get worse. That's kind of the, the uh, again, the impression that is given whenever we say honeymoon phase. And uh, to Jack's point, like, obviously, one of the things that's amazing about the honeymoon phase is that you don't necessarily have all the obligations and the, and the duties that you're going to have later on with kids and maybe work stresses and whatnot. And so that, that plays a part. So it's obviously not going to be the exact same, but to Jack's point, theoretically it should get better. It's not that it goes downhill. It should get better. And so when we say don't buy the stereotypes, that would be probably the biggest thing that I would, you know, I've have been married for five years going on or going on five years in March. I am not the expert here by any means, but if I was going to give any advice to somebody who is, you know, married young, you know, year or so, that would be the biggest thing is please don't buy into the negative stereotypes of man, just enjoy it now. Cause you're going to get to where you, you know, it's a duty or you're not going to be able to stay in your spouse. And you know, you're just not really going to like each other. Please don't go into marriage with that mindset and, and just, man, I really hope I enjoy it now because it's not going to be good in 10 years. No, it should be better in 10 years. You should be growing closer and more intimate in 10 years. Keep that perspective is what I would say. Joe, go ahead. Yeah, I think to marry the two, because I say take it slow and you guys are saying you know, <laughs> to marry the two. Gonna, See what you did there. Nice. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, it's it's you're not going to know everything at once. Yes, the sex is going to be more frequent probably at the beginning. There's going to be a lot of those things. But to my point. It's exactly what you guys are saying. If you take it slow and if you really are intentional about learning to love and to to please the other, which sex is best when you're trying to please the other person, not yourself, right? Theoretically, and it's not theoretically. I mean, it is concrete. This does happen. But theoretically in your marriage, your sex in 30 years should be better than the sex you're having at the beginning, even though at the beginning it's a lot more frequent. Maybe it's a lot hotter or whatever because you guys are younger. But imagine if you spend your entire 30 years really working on learning one another on, on what pleases the other person on, on what gets you and what gets you going basically, right? If you understand those things, man, sex is just unbelievable. You, you know, the exact right spots to kiss or whatever it may be. It can be so amazing and so fulfilling in that moment. That only comes with time. That comes with really being intentional on trying to understand the other person. And so for you guys, don't buy the stereotypes. You're right. The honeymoon phase is where you get to have it a lot. The best sex, in my opinion, is when the honeymoon phase is done, but you've actually started putting into practice everything you learned in the honeymoon phase. So use that and, and realize that sex should still be good 15, 20, 30 years into marriage. And we the stereotype of, and we'll get to the old older folks later, but we have the stereotype that they no longer want it. That is not true at all. That's at all. We're, we'll get to that point. But um, what makes for, we, we have this on, and I think it's just a question that you put down, Will, and I appreciate the question because I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. What makes for good sex? And if you had one line, maybe, you know, something that as, as we're getting a little short on time, what makes for good sex? If you were to give one piece of advice to the young married about, because we talked about what, what makes for bad sex, right? What makes for good sex? Not, not to completely disagree. I, that this was your question. I think I did. I didn't put this one on here, but, uh, oh, was it? Okay. Um, yeah, no, no, you're okay, all good. Um, I would, <laughs> I would say, I mean, you just said it a second ago, selflessness, you know, really trying to please the other person and really, you know, that to me is what builds, you know, really solid intimacy is 
if the wife goes into it thinking, well, the husband's just wanting to get his and he's doing it for himself. Yeah, that's that's not going to make for good sex at all. Versus if she thinks and of course, vice versa, you know, this is going to be a mutual thing that we're pleasing each other. To me, that's that's what I would say. So that was not one sentence, but selflessness is, is what I would say, yep. Jack. Yeah, I mean, selflessness, it's it's hard to get a better description than that. Um, you know, I, I've hit this drum a few times already, but just the get your roles right elsewhere that that to me, I feel like just sets it up to where like you, you as I said, it, it provides the tools that you just carry it in. It's like, well, we already know what to do because we problem solve everything else this way. So now we're we're here as well. Yeah, so, and I thoughts? would I'd pay you back on that. Um, sex is ten percent physical, ninety percent everything else, spiritual, emotional, intellectual. So to your point, Jack, it is the roles. It's it's if you learn to communicate and you're genuinely in love with one another in other ways, you know, sex will will be perfect. It will be fine, and that will not be the problem. The sex is the problem. It just speaks to other parts of the marriage. So don't put yep. everything on the physical aspects. By the time you reach the bedroom, you guys should be so in love with one another and so intimate already that the sex is the outflowing of it and not like you've been cold toward one another, haven't talked at all. And then boom, we need to get into sex because it's a physical need. That's, that's not the way to do it. That's going to happen sometimes in the marriage, but if that's the way it happens every time, probably not. Um, last thing, last piece of advice that you had, Will, before we move yeah, on. Yeah, this one I didn't put on there. should have done this one first. No, you're all good. Yeah. Yes, this one you absolutely did. And I love this. Go ahead and get into this one. Yeah, so I got on here again, just very practical. We, again, Joe's right. We should have ended with the last one that we just had. But as far as Sorry. this one, very quickly, and then we'll move on. I would say keep your phone out of your bedroom. And this is something that I really need to work on as well. I'm preaching to myself here, but there is something about, man, make that bedroom sacred. I've heard, you know, keep the TV out of the bedroom, which I think is a pretty good philosophy. Um, and because my thoughts on that are with, with a man as uh, with as addicted as we are to these things, again, roping myself into it here with, man, I got to check this. And man, I want to see what so-and-so saying about this. And man, Jack posted something really spicy on Facebook. I got to go read all the comments real quick. You know, <laughs> if, if you're bringing that into your nightly routine every single night and, you know, that's just, that's what you do is y'all get in bed together and you get on your phones. Yeah. Your sex life is probably going to struggle and your communication obviously is going to struggle because you're both get your nose buried in your phones. And so just a good rule of thumb, I would say as much as possible, try to keep your phone out. of. Obviously the TV, I would say, keep it out of there, but as much as possible, keep your phone out of there. I just think it builds intimacy and, and being on your phone all the time when you're together in bed, I think it, it detracts from intimacy, I guess is what I would say. So um, I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. Those were my thoughts on that. If not, we can go ahead and move into the next one. Cool. Uh, okay. So let's so let's move on. Advice for married with kids, which is coincidentally the category that all three of us are in. And so maybe we've got the most advice here to share and we've got like 12 minutes left. So um, before Joe's got to get on with a client. Um, so guys, let's talk about this one. Advice for married with kids. I think the first thing we've got on here is it must be prioritized. Why? Let's talk about that because we don't have that for any of the other ones. We've got it under this category of, you know, married with kids. Why must it be prioritized? Joe, I'll start with you here. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Because when you change in diapers and the guy's all day and he comes home and then it's, you know, putting food on the table and then it's time with the and they're playing and then you're giving them a bath and then you're brushing your teeth and you're doing your bedtime routine. You're singing some songs, reading, whatever it is. And by the time you get done with all you're of that, and by the, the time end of the day, wife, yeah. you are exhausted. And and let's be honest, what's the easiest thing to let go by the wayside in your marriage? Tech. That is that is the easiest thing when you are this, when life is crazy. So that's why it has to be prioritized. Um, it, it's too easy to let go, but it needs to be prioritized because, again, it's the culmination of the intimacy. And we want to make sure that that continues throughout. We want to make sure you guys are staying intimate, right? Um, with within the framework of of child rearing and such. Well, it's it's a connection thing, but it's also just it's the strength of the relationship. You guys need to come together. Sex is very very important from a physical bonding, but also an emotional bonding and spiritual bonding point of view. I was just gonna say it's as simple as your your time just goes way down. Like I knew having kids, my time would go way down. I, I still was, was underprepared for how little time, like your time just evaporates because, you know, you're trying to give, you know, all the time to your kids that you, that they need. And of course, when they're young, they, they demand a lot of it. And, you know, both you and your spouse, like you said, Joe, you're exhausted at the end of the day. And it's one of those things that there is a mental component, a mental, I don't want to say work, but a mental component to 
sex with your spouse that a lot of people just at the end of the day, I just don't feel like it. Just don't feel like putting the, the mental energy in that it takes. And so I think this is something, and I put, I did put this on there as well to kind of tie this in your communication about this needs to ramp way up when you're at this stage in your life. In my opinion, again, I think communication needs to be taking place at all in all four of these categories, but especially correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, with what you've seen, I guess, in your therapy work, I feel like this is where resentment can build the most um, in marriages when it comes to sex specifically is in the marriage with young kids phase. Because again, you are just spent, you are exhausted taking care of kids. You're, it becomes very logistical. It becomes very, you know, got to, got to work my, however many hours, got to make sure this and that gets done. And it's, you're again, you're just spent at the end of the day, you're spent at the end of the week. And so I think this is where, if your communication falls off or, you know, you're, you're not talking about as much, man, it can create some real problems in a real short amount of time within your marriage if you don't talk about it a ton. Yeah. uh, The other thing is uh, everything, happiness and fulfillment and all that is always a result of expectations. If it's unmet expectations, you're unhappy. I mean, that's uh, across the board in life. And so you got to, the hard part is figuring out what is fair to expect because that's going to be a a really uh, big challenge in the communication is, Again, it might be a time where where she's just more directly responsible, you know, for the kids in, in certain ways, uh, especially if if she's nursing or whatever, things like that uh, with with real little ones. And so you've got to have that conversation of like, how, how much time do you have to give? And I think it, it can be easy for the mom, the wife to be, become mom mode and like, look, I'm just I'm so one track minded with this that I, I, I can't give you that. And on the other hand, and you can't be one track minded with that. You can't. And and so he's going to have to tone down his expectations of, man, it's not going to be what it was before for a little while. And and you're going to have to get a little more creative in your timing. It just, you know, we talked a little bit about scheduling or things like that. And yeah, he's going to have to give on that. But if, if he has to give everything, that's not going to be healthy. Uh, If she feels like, man, I'm just running ragged, keeping up with the kids and, and the new duties that that adds to her and she's got to meet high expectations from him, she's going to burn out. And so it's really having that conversation of like, all right, what is your ideal? What's my ideal? What can you expect? What should what should we expect of each other? And how do we meet that this rather is... than just I'm going to be unhappy because I'm not getting enough or I'm going to be unhappy because you're asking for too much. This is where the selflessness and the compromise comes in. And what right. I would say, Jack, you you brought in something on our deep end episode Uh, for last episode about, you know, the forbidden fruit and why, you know, our minds can go back to what it was like with our, you know, ex or, you know, previous relationships. But you think about why that is, it's because a lot of guys, I feel like, and and maybe women as well can get to the point where they're associating their spouse with duties and obligations. And they're associating their spouse with spouse and kids, maybe even as like, as a burden. And so their mind is going to naturally drift back to, man, it was sure nice when I didn't have all those, you know, when I was with so-and-so, well, yeah, it does. Cause you didn't have the responsibilities and the obligations. It's like, yeah, it would really be nice to be on vacation all the time, but that's not how life works. And I think that's the perspective that a lot of, especially young married with kids needs to have is you can look back very easily and go, man, you know, I, I enjoyed my life more when I was with such and when I was with such and such, when I was 18 or 19, it's like, yeah, because you weren't, you didn't have all these other d- obligations and duties and responsibilities. And so I think the perspective that you need to have, again, as a young married couple with kids, keep that, keep that understanding and perspective of, yeah, you've got all these other duties now. You've got a lot of other responsibilities and don't, I don't want to say take it out on your spouse, but understand you guys are to work through this together. And that's kind of the grass is greener thing that we talked about in the deep end of like, yeah, the grass probably was greener again when you had, nothing else going on when you didn't have all these responsibilities. Again, it'd be nice to be on vacation all the time. That's not how life works. You got to work for a living. You got to make sure these things are taken care of. I got a few, a few like practical, very practical pieces of advice. I'd say, um, first off, as you talked about, well, man, it's easy to see your wife as, as mom, right? The mother figure, like my wife is pregnant right now. Yeah. It takes more effort, I guess, to see her as something other than a mom. And it's very, you know, the, the second, the mom kind of, it, it can be difficult sometimes to work through. Same thing, I think, from the woman to the guy of, yeah, he's the provider, whatever, he's the he's the the dad, but maybe not. And so you start to see each other from that point. So what I would say is get date nights if you can. Make sure that you guys are spending some alone time, even if you can't get date nights, put the kids down early one night and just spend time being romantic with one another, even if it's not sexually based. Get that candle at dinner. Maybe the kids had mac and cheese for dinner and then you save it one night where you guys can have a nice dinner. Something like 
that where you can really romanticize each other and make sure that you're not just seeing her as a mom. She's not just seeing you as a dad. That's the first thing I'd well, say. Quick use, something make there, use Joe? of them. I'm yeah, sorry. Can yeah. I add something on there? I, one thing I would add, continue to dress to impress your spouse. I don't know if you had that on yeah. here anywhere, but you can no, get great. into that mode, especially as moms. And I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, um, but even, you know, husbands as well come home. Maybe husbands come home from work and man, it's straight into the sweatpants and straight into the, you know, whatever. Uh, and maybe for the, for the wives, it's, you know, I'm going to dress in what's comfortable. N certainly not saying you got to be in a dress and heels and the guy's got to be in a suit all the time, but you know, there still needs Dressed to be impressed. some, yeah, there needs to be some element of, no, I want my husband to think I look really good. And, or I want my wife to, you know, really think I look good when I come home from work and, and whatnot. And that's again, we would hit the, continue to hit the gym and all these things. I think there needs to be some element of that rather than just, well, I'm in mom mode right now, or I'm in, I'm, I'm just in, in work mode right now for the husbands. And so I just don't have time for that. No, you need to continue to right. again, dress to impress, try to catch your wife's eye, try to catch your husband's eye. I think that that is, I think that's very important. A lot of people can miss that. And I would say that's a great point. I would also say make use of quickies. You're not always going to have to, you know, have the a marathon session type thing. You're not always going to have time for that. You need to, and we, I'm not a big fan of scheduling it, but you can look ahead and go, Hey, I don't have to go into work as you know, on, on Friday, I get to have a little bit of a later start or this night we're going to be there. Let's be talking about it. Ramp up the communication big time and the sexy communication, you know, send some spicy text and forth as you're prepping throughout that day to just keep one another engaged and to let them know I'm thinking about you sexually. I'm thinking about you in this way. Even if you don't end up having sex that night, it's still nice to know it's a, it's an ego boost. It's an esteem boost to know that you're spouse still desires you in that way. So I would absolutely increase the communication on that point. Um, again, scheduling, we talked about it. It's not, it's not the end of the world to schedule, but make sure if you schedule, it's not like, okay, at 9 PM on Thursday, we got to, you know, we got to do it. And then it's more of a chore duty based thing. You can schedule it, but be more, let it flow. I think we're going to have a little more time on this night. Let's build up to it. Let's make it special. Maybe she wears some lingerie, whatever it is, right? Like make it important, make it special. Don't lose that. Um, we wanted to get into it. The Advice for older married couples. Now, you can look at us three. We are not old. Uh, so therefore, yes, this is coming from theoretical advice, not experience. Uh, and, and so I mean, you may Jack's have people go, well, what do you guys know? Uh, Jack's I knew, getting I knew it was happening. I knew we were getting <laughs> He's a couple of years away. But as far as it goes with advice for older, <clears throat> I would say I'll start this off and pass it to you guys. Again, this is more on the theoretical, but having worked with this as well, um, stereotype, same thing. You can't go off of like, well, they just don't want as much. It can become more of a struggle because erectile dysfunction does happen at 50%, 60% for men above the age of 55. Um, that is a natural thing. She's going through menopause. There are bodily changes. There are chemical changes taking place, which can make it more difficult. Once again, lean into the sexual communication, lean into the intimacy in other areas of your life and, and talk a lot about what your body's doing. As a guy, it can drop your self-esteem quite a bit because like, man, I just can't get the erection that I used to get. Okay, go to the doctor, see a doctor for it, but talk to your wife about that. Talk to how it makes you feel. And that sounds weird as a guy. We want to be tough and, and everything. Recognize that that is a, yeah, it, it's going to be a struggle, but that's okay. And don't say, well, 70 year olds just don't want sex anymore. I've worked with multiple sex addicts in their seventies that still are, are, you know, regularly engaging in things they shouldn't be, but also are very much aroused at that age. So don't make the mistake of thinking you just won't desire it at that point. Work on communicating about it a lot more. The bodily changes do make it more difficult, but it doesn't have to be the end of your sexual relationship because so-and-so so had a surgery or because, you know, you're having to take pills for X, Y, Z. Like incorporate that, but just talk a lot about that and don't let that be a shameful part of it, but let that be, we are growing together and this is just part of old age and that's okay. That would be my advice. What else would you say? I went to put stuff down. I was like, I don't have much here as far as, you know, as far as the advice for the older, because yeah, I don't know. I, I would say, you know, again, the communication has been the centerpiece of this episode, but um, I, I think looking around again at people that you respect, other marriages that you respect and older is obviously very relative. Maybe you're 65 year old couple and you look and you see a 50 year old couple that you highly respect their marriage. And, you know, we always say younger should be asking the older. And I think generally speaking, that's a good thing. But, you know, once you get past a certain age, maybe it is a matter of, let me look around at the marriages that I respect and, you know, the, the couples in my congregation that I respect. And again, talk, talk to them about it. I don't have much to add there uh, as, as far as advice for older marriage. Jack, you got anything before we wrap up? 
I would just say it's it you know if you hear some of this it's never too late to fix a problem uh you know if, if you hear like man we've had issues with this for years well again don't take that normalcy bias of well i guess it's just not ever going to be that good figure it out like talk communicate maybe you learn something here hopefully you know if, if you're in that situation that you can start working on together um yeah man i don't care if you're in your 60s 70s whatever else like if there's a problem you can still fix it and so do that yeah. Um, as we wrap up, I will say, I think we mentioned this on the deep end, but for those that are are listening that maybe want to submit comments, as one of the perks of, of Patreon, of course, we've talked about it being part of the deep end and, and getting that extra uh, one, but we also are posting, and we're going to do this for every episode from here on out, the ability to post anonymously. We're going to have a, do a Google Doc set up, and so if you do have questions, feel free to join join Patreon, consider it a donation, whatever you want to say. Lots of great con uh, content on there, but that allows you to uh, comment anonymously on this if you do have questions you'd like us to and we basically answer yeah, to get into the episode and then answer additional questions, different topics and such. That's exactly it. So we will get uh, get to your questions if that's something that you do. Um, so we'd appreciate it. But either way, continue to send in your comments, guys. We we do want to know there's a struggle around this particular issue. So we realize a lot of stories, a lot of hurt, things like that. Sorry, we'll go. Last for thing it. I would say, next week is going to be awesome. So episode 100. Just dropped yes, in. It we is. are incredibly excited about that. So please, please, you know, I'm not going to say mark your calendars or anything like that, but yeah, it's going to be. Oh, no, mark your calendar. So. Tell them that be there. <laughs> okay. There you go. Yeah, that's there right. Be there. Yeah. Yeah. And keep submitting the questions. Again, we're going to come up with some of our own, but one minute answer type of questions, you know, short and sweet stuff about whatever you can think of. Um, already gotten a bunch of good ones. So looking forward to that. Guys, if there's nothing else, let's go ahead and wrap up our episode 99. And next time we see most of it, we'll see some folks for the deep end. But other than that, we will talk to you guys for episode 100 next week of Think Deeper. Thanks for joining.